turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome to another edition of Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Go to LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Do you ever watch the White House briefings, you know, the press briefings with Karine Jean-Pierre, and before that it was Jen Psaki? And do you think that really there are only about 15 reporters in there because those are the ones that are called on? Simon Atiba is an African journalist who has made his way to the United States to cover American politics and the relationships between the United States and Africa, which are extremely important. He doesn't get called on, but we've decided to call on him. You may have heard him in the press briefing room trying to shout some questions, having a little dust up with Jen Psaki, and then maybe another little scuffle with Corinne Jean-Pierre. He's not afraid, but he's also not obnoxious. (laughs) He is courageous and I think just upstanding. And he's our guest next. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. Welcome, Simon Atiba. We are so appreciative of your time. I, I want to start with your background going to being born in Cameroon, right? Which is, uh, um, is on the coast. Part of it is on the coast. There is some coastline to Cameroon in Africa. What's it like to grow up in Cameroon? Yeah, thank you for having me, Michelle, on your podcast. I, I think you are doing uh, an amazing job and... And and I wanted to say thank you. Uh, so I was born in Cameroon, uh, but I spent time in a lot of time in Nigeria. So born in Cameroon, traveled to Nigeria to study, and worked a lot across West Africa. Okay, Cameroon is a great place. It has um, uh, over three hundred languages, cultures, and. So you, we have two official languages. You have French, uh, and then you have uh, English. Okay. And I come from the French-speaking part of Cameroon. I see. Okay. So the, you did your studies in Nigeria. What made you want to be a journalist? I love people, and I wanted to tell people stories. And and where I grew up, the richest person in my village was a doctor. And I remember my mom uh, telling me all the time, you need to be a doctor because the doctor has a car. The doctor looks 
uh, handsome. The, lo- the doctor has power. And at some point, I really wanted to be a doctor, but I ended up being a journalist because I realized that was the best way to really understand life, really understand people, really get to know uh, the the world. And and I ended up being a journalist and I've not done any other job. I did my first degree in journalism, second degree in journalism, and I've been working as a journalist uh, since I left school. Uh, I started in a, an evening newspaper in Nigeria, graduated to a well, high, uh, widely read magazine, and I've been doing journalism all the way uh, until now. So what brought you to the United States? So I realized that the, I always loved the U.S. Everyone loves the U.S. Sometimes I feel like people in the U.S. don't really understand how... Uh, <laughs> you know, how people perceive and how people in Africa love the U.S. Uh, The U.S. was a place to me where everything good was. It was a place where the Internet was invented, where Facebook was invented or developed, where Twitter, everything. Um, And so where CNN was based, because everyone was watching CNN, I don't watch a lot of CNN now. (laughs) <laughs> but but that was you know that was what we were seeing there and and I loved the election. I remember when uh, the election of president obama's election in twenty in two thousand and eight uh, we had this big hall where we had like thousands of people came toward the election the entire night um, and I remember um people watching it as if it was a game, a football game. Wow. And and I remember all of us watching CNN and we tried to switch to Fox News and Fox News said something bad about President Obama and everyone quickly switched back to CNN. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, and I always loved the U.S., but I came to the U.S. to do the same thing that I've been doing everywhere, journalism, uh, I wanted to always have this publication that focuses on U.S.-Africa relation, uh, relations. I realized China was rising, taking over Africa, Russia was expanding in Africa, and and I wanted to focus on U.S.-Africa relations, and I didn't really find that publication. And we decided, along with my friend, to found it and try to see how we could focus on strengthening ties between the U.S. and Africa with accurate and relevant information, which is what we've been doing since 2019. Okay, since 2019. Okay. Real quick, I want to get back to something you said uh, before I forget, and that is you don't watch a lot of CNN now. Why is that? No, so... uh, Back in Africa, everything that I knew about the U.S. was CNN, right? Um, I also knew, um, so I knew racism was, you know, the Republicans, right? They were the racist, the old white guys who lived in the Midwest. Um, Everything good was the Democrats, you know, they were the guy who were fighting racism, who were fighting inclusion, who were fighting. And and so that's what I was watching. And so when I got to the U.S., actually, I didn't want to have anything to do with a conservative, a Republican, or anyone who wasn't a Democrat, right, who wasn't liberal. 
And so even in 2020, when there was an election between uh, candidate Biden and President Trump, we actually endorsed President Biden, right? Because, you know, the New York Times has told us, you know, President Trump used an you know, a bad word to describe Africans that they came from an S-O-L, you know, yeah. you, you remember, the, the, you know, the controversy. And and so I didn't really understand the U.S., even though I was watching CNN, I didn't really know the people. But when I came to the U.S., I realized, you know, I really get to know, I really need to get to know the people. But it wasn't a straight line. I began to my publication with friends. We focus on U.S.-Africa relations. We go to the State Department, the Pentagon, the White House, different places. And I began to face some of the challenges at the White House, even though we endorsed President Biden. I began to see that I wasn't actually being treated differently. And and I began to realize that when I was being treated that way, CNN was nowhere, the New York Times were nowhere. And the people who actually came to raise the issue were people like Fox News, the New York Post, and, you know, right-leaning publication and networks. And I began to, and from there, I began to really get to know the people. And I got to know the real people and realized that, no, they were not racist and they didn't hate foreigners. Actually, most of them only love their country. And all the way said was, we need foreigners to come into the country. We just need them to come, you know, the right way, which is what everyone else in any other country, you know, says about, you know, people coming into the country. Right. And and so I realized that, you know, I need to really, really get to know the people. And when I got to know the people, they were kind, they were, you know, great people. It's an interesting experience from somebody totally outside <laughs> to perceive the United States one way and to come here and discover and learn for yourself you know what 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 things really are like it's fascinating i'm i'm so grateful that you're here simon atiba is our guest we're going to have more with him and a little bit of spiciness from the press room at the white house after this i'm reading a quote right now a food shortage could be coming even in the us economic experts wrote recently a food shortage. Really not hard to picture when you remember COVID and not being able to find certain things on the shelves and remembering the supply chain issues. It's really not that out of the realm of, you know, imagination. That's why survival food is more important than ever. Now, hear me out here. You can create your own stockpile, if you will, of the best selling Four Patriots survival food kits. You don't want to be left out in the cold. This is not ordinary food. We're talking about good for 25 years, super survival food, hand-packed right in a family-owned facility in the United States and giving jobs to over 200 Americans. We like that. The kits are compact, sturdy, water-resistant. They stack easily. You can find a place for them in your basement, in a cupboard, in a pantry. They have different delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners. You can make these meals in less than 20 minutes. Just add boiling water, simmer, and serve. And right now you can go to fourpatriots.com and use code 
Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-E, to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store, anything at all, including this three-month survival kit. You'll get their famous year-long guarantee after you order, plus free shipping on orders over $97. They're called Four Patriots because a portion of every sale is donated to charities who support our veterans and their families. And we love that. Just go to fourpatriots.com. That's the number fourpatriots.com. Use code Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-E, to get 10% off. That's fourpatriots.com, code Michelle. Start building your own stockpile today. You really... You don't know what the future holds. Can you take a question on the U.S. Africa Summit? Karen, why is it so hard to take a question on the U.S. Africa Summit when the president is with 50 African leaders, the biggest garden of leaders of his administration? Why is it hard for you to give me a question? It is not hard. I've answered. I've. Would you let me answer the question, or you get okay? Okay. I'm trying to answer your question. Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. I just tried, you wouldn't let me. Go ahead. I just tried, and you would not let me, sir. So your colleague is going to ask a question. Go ahead. No, I just, I literally just tried to answer your question. You shut me down. So now your colleague is going to. Let me take the question first before you Okay. Thanks, everybody. I'll see you tomorrow. Question out of respect Well, that was an interchange between Corinne Jean-Pierre, the press secretary for the White House, and our guest, Simon Atiba. So it's an interesting room that that Washington press corps, Simon, there's the the front row, right? Or the front couple of rows with NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox News, CNN, the, the big hitters, Washington Post, AP. And then there's sort of back of several rows. Who's back there with you? Yes, everyone you have. <laughs> um, so you have 49th seat at the White House in the White House press briefing room. And then you have seven different rows with, I think, seven seats. So you multiply it, that gives you 49 seats. And you have the big guys and, you know, the big people in the front row, the CNN and Fox News and NBC News and AP. And then the second rows, you have people like the Washington Times, the Washington Post. And then... In the back, you have people like the Washington Times and New York Post and Daily Colors and different, different other publications. What happens in the briefing room is, I think maybe I'm, I was being a bit naive. I thought that it was fair play. I thought that, um, you know, you would take a question from the Washington Post and then take a question from the Washington Times. Uh, the Washington Post is a left-leaning publication. The Washington Times is a right-leaning publication. But since Karine Jean-Pierre uh, became press secretary, she's never taken a question from the Washington Times in the briefing room. She's She rarely took questions from the, the New York Post. She rarely took questions. She's never taken it. She took only one question from the Daily Caller. And once she asked about the border, she didn't give her a question anymore. That audio that you just played was during the U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit last month. President Biden received or hosted uh, 50 African leaders in Washington, D.C. for the U.S.-Africa Summit. And we've been writing about that summit for the uh, every day. Uh, you know, for almost two months. 
And she will not even give me a question. She won't give anyone from Africa a question. And, and we saw she's been doing that two days before that audio. We also reminded her, hey, can we ask you a question on the US-Africa summit? And she said, I will get back to you. She didn't get back to us. She just came and read the statement and then she left the briefing room. And that particular audio that you played, she wanted to do the same thing. She wouldn't allow me to even ask her the question that I wanted to ask her about the US-Africa summit. She wanted to jump to the other person. And so the press briefing room is not uh, fair. It's most things are staged. You need to send uh, questions or topics in advance. Um, and then she will call on you. Actually, the White House reaches out to reaches out to journalists to ask them, do you have any topics uh, that you would like uh, the press secretary to discuss today? And people end up sending questions and she takes those questions and she tries to find answers and she has them in the binder. And so when she comes to the briefing room, she's always reading and, you know, everything is staged. And I didn't know that. I thought it would be a free place where, you know, everyone has been given the little chance, even the little guy from Africa when the president is receiving almost all the presidents from Africa. Yeah. Was Jen Psaki the same way or was she more fair? Jen Psaki wasn't that different. Uh, when I asked Jen Psaki in November 2021 why President Biden was banning only African nations over the Omicron variant that was also in, in the UK, in deep, many European nations, uh, in Hong Kong, in different places, uh, why not ban everyone? Why just ban black African nations? Uh, she was so upset. Uh, she and she she didn't give me a question for months. So she wasn't that different. She appeared different, but she wasn't really that different. She also called mainly on the same people, and we had to remind her many times that they are they are not just two rows in the briefing room. There are up to seven of them. And it would be nice to take questions from across the room. And it's not just me. When you take questions from the same people uh, who have sent mainly who have mainly sent questions in advance, what you are doing is a disservice to the American people. You don't get to hear from uh, uh, people from across the room. You don't get to really get questions that Americans really care about. You get the same question and you read from your binder. Yeah. Yeah, the binder has been something that people have called attention to quite often that, that, you know, if it's not in the binder, there probably isn't going to be an answer to that question. Um, and, and I, you know, I think we all knew that people submitted questions in advance, but it's still disheartening to hear that. So, you know, what you're getting then is simply you get to prepare for the questions you want to answer. Um, and very oftentimes the answer isn't adequate at all. It's simply a statement or an I'll get back to you on that. Uh, and so it's it is frustrating. It's a frustrating thing to watch. But it's a so to see you come in there and sort of like a bull in a china shop, just sort of, you know, try to break things a little bit is really refreshing. But they do not like that. Um, and, and I've seen more than that clip times where you get scolded by other journalists and, you know, it's it's 
what is that like for you to sort of be the only guy in there who's getting scolded, who's being ignored? I, I, I hear you in that you're not the only one who's being ignored, but, um, it, you know, that they just don't seem to, to want to field any, have any engagement with you. It's tough. Just imagine you being the press secretary. You have all these questions that are already in your binder. And you know who to call on because you have you have what looks like answers. And then you have all these people, you don't really know what they're going to ask you. And so you see you have like green light, green light, green light, red light, red light, red light. And I don't really know what to be asked. So it can be tough when I'm being... Uh, um, disrespected where I've been uh, and also being ignored, uh, especially because um, I don't just go to the briefing room to yell questions, right? What we do is actually you go to the press secretary office, try to meet with her. You ask her, is there anything that I need to do for you to call on me? You send emails. What happens is uh, you don't, uh, you realize that you don't receive any positive feedback. And then you also go to the national, the White House National Security Council and attend press briefings. Even press briefings on Africa, you realize that they don't call on you and they don't call on people from Africa to discuss even Africa. And, and so you realize you have, you've been pushed against the wall. You don't have uh, any other option. And then you yell the question in the briefing room and people uh, are upset. Oh my God. God, how can you yell a question in the briefing room? You know, this is the White House, you know. And and so it can be really frustrating. But I know that I'm doing the right thing. I follow the right step. Uh, reach out to them, send email, try to talk to people at the WACA, the White House Correspondents Association. But I've not really get uh, gotten any f- positive feedback. That's, that's interesting. Um, when you, when you, I read recently that Corinne Jean-Pierre said she will not talk to you this calendar year, that she will not meet with you until 2024. What, what's, what's going on there? What, what do I not understand about that particular, uh, story? Yeah, so I went to her office, right? Because she won't call on, she's not called on me, uh, in the past four months and over four months. And so I wanted to know what's going on and what's going on. I went to her office to talk to her and she told me, um, I won't meet with you until maybe, maybe, maybe next year, 2024. Um, Did so, she tell you that directly? That was from her or was that from a, someone? No, no, she told me. She told me. And uh, so you know, what's her she, reasoning? No reasoning. She sees me like um, as a, uh, someone who is too independent, uh, asks questions that are not in the binder. <laughs> she, and also, you know, there's this moral superiority that, uh, you know, the people on the right, they're the one who hates black, are racist. And then here I'm at the White House and telling them, hey, you're, you're doing to me exactly the things that you're accusing other people. Have you said that to them? Yeah. And, I mean, that's, that's what I'm telling them. Like, uh, and they, they read me, I say things on the social media, uh, as grand interviews, I've, I've said that many times. 
And so that's what is happening. And, and I came to realize that, you know, claiming moral superiority, claiming that we are the righteous people and we love blacks and, you know, it's totally false. And, and, and so that's what I'm telling them, or even claiming that, you know, I'm the guy for the little guy. I'm that little guy in the briefing room. There are other little guys in that briefing room who have not been called on, who are not being called on. And some of them, uh, most of them come to me. They encourage me because some of them may not even be able to yell a question because their office will be contacted and they may lose their job. Right. And so they come to me and they're like, Simon, you speak for us. Regional media uh, outlet, um, right-leaning media outlet, people who are being ignored, people who are being neglected because we refuse to toe the line and you speak for us and we want to say thank you for doing that. Wow. Simon Atiba is our guest. And when we come back, I'm going to ask him how he's being treated by the White House Correspondents Association and if, given all he's experienced, he is disappointed by America or encouraged by America. That's after this. We're embarking now. We're almost into the second month of 2023, and the financial indicators are they're confusing to me. So when everything's confusing, I'd like some sort of thread of stability in my financial plan. And that's where gold and silver come into play. And that's where legacy precious metals comes into play. They're the only company I trust when investing in gold and silver. I mean, we have so much uncertainty, but you do have this option. You need an investment that's going to protect your wealth and retirement. This is a long-term play, not a short-term play. Call Legacy Precious Metals. Be proactive. Find out what it's all about. Remember 2008? This feels a lot like then. Well, back then, those who invested in gold saw significant gains and others lost their retirements. Which end of that do you want to be on? Legacy Precious Metals can advise you on all of your options for investing in gold and silver. You can speak to one of their IRA experts at Legacy Precious Metals. Here's the number, 866-528-1903, 866-528-1903, or download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Simon, so are you officially part of the White House Correspondents Association? Yes, I am. And how have you been received by that group? So the White House Correspondent Association President, Tamara Kid, she's, she's a nice person, but um, she's helped me a lot in terms of emails. But she, and she's, she recently sent a, a correspondence to Karine Jean-Pierre telling her to call on people from across the room. But the White House Correspondent Association also tells me that they don't have any um, power. Right. They don't have the power to decide who can be called on or right. who can be called on. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's so interesting to me. Now, you tell me if I have this wrong. So you're, you've, you're growing up and you're studying in Africa and you're watching CNN, and that is your lens into the United States, and you see that through that lens, that one side, the Democrats, 
are all about the little guy. They take care. They're, they're inclusive. They, you know, they're anti-racist. And you hear about the other side, that they're the racist bunch, that they're a bunch of old white guys. And then you come to America and you discover that's not really what reality is like for you. Like you get here and you discover that it's a little bit the opposite. And so it sounds to me now like what you're saying is you're more in those right-leaning publications than you are the left-leaning publications. Have I missed anything there? Or Okay, so some people have been attacking me because now I have millions of people seeing my tweet this month. I've had more than 20 million people who have seen my tweet. And so some people are beginning to attack me, calling me right-winger, but I'm not winger i'm no left winger i just believe that i refuse to accept the fact that some people own uh, that moral superiority that some people are righteous and and only some people are righteous only some people are good only some people love black 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 people and i came to realize that you know it's totally false you know racism has nothing to do with uh, the political party it has nothing to do with even the race or the color. I've had um, some people uh, really opposing me and even attacking me in the White House briefing room. I've had a black white lady who is being celebrated in the African American community to have fought President Trump. Um, and now she's doing the same thing to me and other Africans in the briefing room. And so when we we come together, we wonder, we say, but outside people see her as this person who fought President Trump, the so-called racist, and but she's actually attacking us more and preventing us from doing our job. And she's black and people love her. And so I came to realize that racism is not just... Uh, it's not the white thing or the black thing. It's some people are racist, some people are not, regardless of their political party, Republican, Democrat, Independent. It's just an individual thing, trying to brand one side to be the racist and the people who hate black. That's totally false, based on my own experience. I came to realize that the Republicans... They are not the racist. They are not the people who hate black. Actually, I've been hurt by them more than the other people. So, um, yeah, I'm wondering. It's, yeah. it's, it's fascinating and it's amazing to hear from someone who has come here really, I think, open-minded to whatever you might see. And you, you're discovering this on your own. It's, it's, it's really interesting. And, and, and my last question for you, Simon, is given all of that, given your treatment in the White House press briefing room, uh, given your experiences with, with people here, are you happy here or would you prefer to go back to, to Africa, to Nigeria or Cameroon or wherever it is that you, you love in Africa? Or is this, is this permanent for you now? No, this is permanent for me. I love it here. Uh, I think the best thing here, it, not open-minded, as you said. I wasn't that open-minded. I already had one frame of mind. I already knew that I wanted... Uh, I was a liberal. You know, I needed to stick with the Democrats because those were the good people. The other people were the bad people. They were the racists. 
And so I always joke that Jen Psyche actually uh, saved my life uh, <laughs> because by being hard on me, by, you know, showing me the, the reality and showing me that um, all those assumptions were false, by refusing to call on me after I challenge her, by not refusing to meet with me after I told her that she what she said was incorrect, I came to realize she she made me to understand that um, the Democrats were not the saviors, the Republicans are not the bad guys. People are people, and you need to approach people as people, and. And she made me to drop all the biases. And and that's what Karine Jean-Pierre has also done. She made me to realize that, um, you know, just accept people as they are. Don't have uh, biases against people. Don't prejudge people before you get to know them. Just meet people. Meet Republicans, meet Democrats, meet Independent. Um, drop the mask. Forget the you know, the manipulation, the propaganda, the labeling of some groups, just get to know people. And in that sense, I want to thank them for showing me the reality, for showing me that, you know, I needed to become an individual who can think on my own. And and that's the reality everywhere you are. People are just people. And, you know, you shouldn't prejudge. So I love the U.S. I love the fact that uh, the U.S. is still the greatest country on earth. It's still the country that everyone looks up to, where the freedom of the press is still there, not ideal as seen in the White House, but it's still far better than other countries, including in China, in other countries around the world, in Amen. many countries in Africa. Amen to that. Um, you, they need to bring you in as an adjunct professor at, to some of these journalism schools. They really do. Uh, yours is a a pure discovery uh, kind of career, and I am so impressed, and I love your courage, and I want you to keep it up. And if people want to follow your work, what's the best way for them to find you, Simon? Yeah, they can go to todaynewsafrica.com. Todaynewsafrica.com. We're going to put that on a on a on the graphic. And they can also follow me personally on Twitter at Simon Ateba. And also donate. Just go to todaynewsafrica.com or go to my Twitter handle and support us. We don't have big money from big donors. No, we uh, once you decide to become independent, once you decide to do the job, uh, it becomes really tough. So you can support him at that website as well, or go to his Twitter at Simon Atiba, A-T-E-B-A. Simon, I wish you nothing but success and luck, and thank you so much for taking time for us. Thank you for having me. He is Simon Atiba. I'm Michelle Tafoya. This has been Sideline Sanity. Don't forget to be brave, <laughs> like Simon is a living example, and do good. Thanks, everyone. Always a good day when Charles Thorngren of Legacy Precious Metals can join us and answer some really different questions. And I thought of a few new ones for you, Charles, if that's okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated and we hear so much about gold and silver and, and precious metals. So if I could just ask this broad question, 
What is the role of gold mm. in a portfolio? Great question. And when we look at them, the answer to that is has a couple of different features to it. It depends on the individual, but its main purpose is the insurance policy for your finances. It is meant to be the foundation by which you do all other things, right? We know that gold and silver um, have an inverse relationship to the dollar. Um, it protects your purchasing power. So when we invest, that's what we're saying. We want to make sure that we have the ability to manage our money and have our money do what we need it to do for us. It's not the collection of dollars for dollar's sake, but for what it does for us, how we pay our bills, how we retire, how we feed our family, how we uh, go on and bless others and, and donate to causes we believe in. That's what money does for us. It's not the dollar itself. It's the thing it provides for us. And what gold does is make sure that that money continues to have purchasing value. Because there are times we find that, hey, my money doesn't have the same purchasing Absolutely. value it had last month. Absolutely. And, and this is a unique time. We're seeing it. <clears throat> I, I This term called hyperinflation, which usually refers to, you know, inflation in the 18s and 20 percent. I consider this a time of hyperinflation because it's so much more than what we're normally used to. Right. When we prepare and we budget and we say, this is the course of my life and this is how I'm going to do things. This is where I'm going to put my money. We use some basic numbers, two to 3% inflation. That's what the Fed says is good, but that's not even great. Over a lifetime, that's a lot of inflationary loss to your dollar. But when you have a period where it jumps to the points where we're at now, and we're in the eight and a half, nine is going to be into the double digits soon. In this shorter time frame, that's a hyperinflation situation to me because it throws everything off dynamically and so, so radically. You do, you do see us going into double digits, huh? Absolutely. Oh. The Fed even sees us going into double digits. You know, there was a, an interesting report where one of the, the Fed chairmen were saying, 2023, we're not going to talk about that. But in 2024, by summer, we may be able to start to drop the interest rates. When someone tells me they're in charge of something, but they say this new year that's coming, just forget about that completely. We're not even going to talk about that. That's a bad sign. <laughs> they don't want you to think about it. Exactly. They, don't, they want you to look past it and sort of ride it, ride it off right now. Just don't even think yeah. about it. It's going to be bad. But hey, 2024, though, you know, and interestingly enough, right around the time of an election, they want to start talking about what they're going to do. Isn't that fascinating? That timing is just really interesting. Before I we finish up here, I, I'm always fascinated with how gold is priced. How, how do we get a price of gold? You know, the spot price of gold is really determined by the world market. The London Bullion Exchange, right? And this has been for hundreds of years now, um, sets a price and the rest of the world revolves around that. Now, our currency will determine how much more than it is in the pounds and things like that. And there's a calculation for it, but that's one of the great things about gold and silver. Their value is recognized around the world, no matter what currency, what country you're in, it has value. Uh, I just recently come back from a trip where I was overseas not that long ago. And I bring gold with me everywhere I go. Um, not a lot. So don't try to catch me in the airport. Um, <laughs> but I have something that is valuable no matter where I'm at. I can go anywhere in any country and turn that into its currency in no time at all. 
You're talking about carrying around physical gold? Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. Do you, do you, do you How walk much around is with safe dollars? to carry around if you're well? No, you're right. Uh, so if and and that gold is going to have the same uh, value across the board, no matter no matter where I go, slight right? Because very slight deviations, yeah. but it's not very large. Okay. You know, usually less than one yeah. percent difference in the price. This is really interesting. I, I can't let you go before I ask you this because I'm picturing you now walking around with some <laughs> you know, gold coins in your pocket. I'm thinking, wow, that would feel risky. But when you go into another country, for instance, with some gold, how easy is it for you to go say, here, I want to exchange this for, or, you know, I'm assuming you're not going to a restaurant and slapping down a gold no. bullion or something. No. But you could overseas. In certain places of the world, they recognize that just like regular currency. Wow. But I wouldn't use but, gold. But it's dinner. easy to ch exchange once you get to another country? Yeah. Just very easy. Most of the time you can do it at the airport. Same places where they change currency. A lot of them will change uh, metals too. And is physical bullion the, the, the best way to go? It is. It really is. When you're traveling or always in any investment in gold? Uh, you know, there's certain things you can do outside of just bullion that may make sense once you've laid a portfolio down, right? Um, diversity in metals is important too, but your basis for all investments should be your basic bullion, whether it's gold or silver. You want to have that foundation set in the base metal itself, giving you the most value that you can get. And obviously every person's situation is unique. So why not just call and speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals, 866-528-1903, 866-528-1903, or they can always download your free investor's guide, right? It's true. at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Do you have any gold on you right now? I do. Give me half a second. I got to see this. I just want to see. I mean, I, it's, it seems like almost like in the old days when you walk around with that, you know, Mr. Scrooge and his gold coins in his pocket. Not that you're, can you sort of turn it around and show us that? That's now for our listeners, they're not going to be able to, to, just to see what we're seeing, but you've got a little container and they're just, they're kind of the size of half dollars, right? Yeah. Would just about a half dollar. And this or? is, this is the American gold Eagle. And this is a, uh, $22,000 worth of metal. Yikes. Charles isn't messing around <laughs> and neither are we, but please go get your questions answered. This is such an important time to be thinking about your money, your long-term play in addition to every short-term concern that you have. Charles, always good to talk to you. Thank you so My much. My pleasure. And you know what? 2023 is coming. Call now, find out <laughs> so you can make your decisions for, before then. Yes. And before the elections again, yes. and they can tell us what they're going to tell us then. They're, they're telling you to overlook 2023. That means you now's the time to inquire. Absolutely. Again, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Charles Thorngren, always good to see you. Thank you.